0: Hello and welcome to the Hustle & Bustle podcast. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Yugambeh people, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. My name's Nicole Bennetts and I'm an urban and regional planner, and I'm the host of this podcast. Each episode, I bring you conversations with city shapers and urban thinkers, leaders in the field of urban planning and city building. I'm located here on the beautiful Gold Coast in Australia. We're one of the host cities for the Brisbane 2032 Olympics and Paralympics. The next 10 years is being described as the golden decade for our city and our region. The conversations on this podcast help us understand the opportunities and challenges ahead. So let's take a minute from our busy hustle and bustle day and let's have a great conversation. And welcome to episode 18 for 2022. Today I'm thrilled to be joined by Upendo Kamuro. Upendo is a Chagga woman from the foothills of Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. Her diverse upbringing across many countries has nurtured her passion for and proficiency in three languages, as well as her particular interest in how built environments can support cohesive, equitable and productive communities. Upendo has a Bachelor of Urban and Environmental Planning with Honours, Masters in Development Practice, Politics of global development, a grad certificate in mediation and conflict resolution, and is IAP2 accredited. She has over 15 years of professional planning experience across the areas of strategic planning, policy formulation and implementation, and development assessment. She has extensive experience researching, drafting, and implementing state policies through the Queensland Planning Framework. She's worked across a diversity of strategic projects with several Aboriginal Shire Councils. During her time with the Queensland Government, Opendo was on the Advancing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Committee for the um, Interests in Land Use Planning, the Project Steering Committee, and she was the local plan-making amendment process expert. She also drafted the Planning Act 2016 Planning Scheme template. She recognises and continues to learn and discover improvements needed to truly advance Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander interests in the Queensland Planning and Development Framework. Her other career highlights whilst working with Queensland Government include being part of the team responsible for the development, management and administration of the Queensland Planning Act framework and implementation of the State Assessment and Referral Agency, the planning reform agenda and the review of local planning instruments. Welcome to the podcast, Upendo. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm well, thanks. I'm really good and um, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm in sunny Brisbane, um, the land of the Trubal and Yagara people, and I'd like to to, um, acknowledge them as the traditional custodians and pay my respects to the elders, past and future.
0: Amazing. And today, I would love to have a chat with you on the podcast about the role of culture in planning. Um, yeah. one of our our mutual uh, friends and colleagues, Laura Gannon, has dobbed you in as being someone yes. who she feels would really be able to make a contribution to this topic and hopefully share with with myself and the listeners um, who who tune in about what some of your experiences and your upbringing have meant and and what the the impact that culture has on planning decisions. How does that sound?
1: Sounds good. I'm definitely open to sharing what I know. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, let's start at the top, and I think yeah. the first question I wanted to ask you was a bit about your upbringing and and what uh, brought you to Brisbane.
1: Okay, fair enough. So, I I I was born in Tanzania, so that's in East Africa. Um, both my parents are from the Chaga tribe, um, and um, the nature of my dad's job. So he's a forestry scientist and economics and an academic. So he Moved a lot for work. So the first big move we made um, was to Mozambique, um, and um, we lived there for four years. And during that time, um, I was fortunate enough to actually um, learn um, Portuguese. So I actually think I spoke better Portuguese than I did English at that time. And yeah, then, wow. and then my dad got a, um, an opportunity to work in um, Indonesia. So in a in a small town called Bogor, and that is like twenty minutes from Jakarta. So we moved there. Um, not knowing when we moved there, we we um, we were the only um, African um, family that was living there, so we're, you know the only um, black people living in that um, small town. And with that, I guess came a lot of attention, you know, some good and of course some not so good. Um, so I guess my parents were sort of conscious that, you know, at that time I think I was eight, um, that he they didn't really I guess want us to um, experience um, discrimination and racism and so forth so um we had some f- they had some family friends that were living in um, in Swaziland and South africa so that's um, we went to a boarding school, so they sent us to a boarding school there in south africa um so we went to um, a boarding school and um, it's a in a small town it 's called white River and it's in the Mpumalanga province of south africa um so that was actually post apartheid so I think I probably learned more about <laughs> discrimination racism back yeah. then but um at that age you 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 know your experience um because you're very naive um and stuff so I had an I actually had a good time um and my experience there was nice um it's just I think looking back you're like oh okay that maybe wasn't the best um, and then after that, um, my parents split and uh, my dad was um, living in Zimbabwe and my mom um, lived um, in Tanzania and we went to a boarding school in Tanzania, an international boarding school there. Um, and then, of course, we were traveling back and forth um, to um, um, Zimbabwe. Um, and then I finished my, stud- uh, my um, studies there. So I did the International MacLariate, um finished that. And then um, and then I came to do my tertiary education in Brisbane. So I came here in like mid 2004 um, and I've stayed since. So I did um, I went to Griffith, did my undergrad in um, urban and environmental planning. Um, Finished that Um, fortunate enough at that time, um, planning jobs were just on the boom. So I actually started working for Brisbane City Council in my third year of uni. And then when I actually finished um, Um, and gained my qualification, I got into the graduate program um, with the Department of Transport and Main Roads. Um, And then while I was there, um, I did a few secondments in the planning department, and then later got a full job in the planning department. Um, And then during that time, I decided to do uh, my master's. So I did my master's um, in development practice um, and um, a major of um, global um, international politics. Um, And while I was doing that, I stumbled upon like a mediation course and absolutely loved it. So I decided to do like the full um, certificate of um, mediation and conflict resolution. And then um, I think, yeah, I studied, you know, for, uh, I finished studying while I was working. I stayed in state for 13 years, had two kids. So, you know, took a, um, a year break here and there for maternity leave. Um, and then two years ago, I made the jump to the private industry. Yeah. So yeah. that's sort of been a bit of my journey.
0: <laughs> awesome. And you're with Meridian Urban now.
1: I am. I am. I am with um, Meridian Urban. Um, yeah, so we do a lot of, you know, like the natural hazard. I, I do a lot of um, stakeholder community engagement work uh, and I also get um, the privilege, to, um, you know, to work on a lot of um, projects involving um, First Nation communities.
0: Yeah, amazing. What, a, what an awesome journey you've been on. I'd like to just take a, a little step back and just find yeah. out what made you decide to study planning.
1: Yeah, so um, because we moved a lot, my dad found it, that it was really important for us to sort of have that grounding and understanding of, you know, where we've come from and what our home is. So every year, um, we used to go back to um, our our home village. So that's like in the foothills of Matka Majara. So I'm from the, um, the Marangu region there. And so I remember as a kid, um, when I used to go and visit, you know, my grandparents and go there, like we didn't have any electricity, you know, and then slowly as the years progressed, you know, you, you know, we um, were able to, you know, pull the electricity in, build a bit more infrastructure, um, just, you know, change the surroundings and consequently, at the same time, um, a lot of the native <laughs> um, and um know, natural vegetation, you know, was destroyed. So I think I I became really curious um, and really, I think, appreciative of what, you know, development is, you know, um, in terms of that, um, you know, um, I think we're told, you know, to develop um, in a certain format, but as a consequence, you know, what's that doing for, you know, the inhabitants that live there? Um, and with that as well, because of all the travelling, um, I've just always been really curious to understand why people live in certain areas, you know. Um, and um, yeah, so like, I think my curiosity um, of settlements, um, of people and how they move um, and the impacts, implications of development and what we do and how we do it um, sort of made me really interested um, in doing something on that, you know, development space. Honestly, though, when I chose and started planning, I had no idea what it really was (laughs) about, (laughs) just because um, I grew up in a lot of um, landscapes where development sort of naturally occurred, you know. So I think in terms of like big projects and big infrastructure projects, you know, I'm pretty sure there was a process and stuff, but um, a lot of people just built things and rebuilt things. I think without my seeing that there was um, a process or a structure that they had to adhere to. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I remember like um, my grandparents' places, for example, um, I think every four years, you know, we would demolish and build and build something that suited um, the needs of that time and um, the people and how we were using it. So um, when I came to to Brisbane to study planning, um, there were a lot of, I think concepts um, and topics that I hadn't, I wasn't accustomed to um, and that I actually personally did find um, difficult to understand. Um, So for example, something as, as simple as an allotment you know um, or a lot you know I remember in class sitting there and this is before you had you know like um google on your phone and you could quickly search things up
0: um, yeah. so
1: I had to sit there and be like I have no idea what they're talking about but everyone else understands um so I came from the context that you know we just call them a plot you know so even um the difference in, lang- in language can be um you know I think can be really important in your academic experience you know um
0: yeah for sure yeah, I, i'd yeah. love you to speak more about that <laughs> and that university experience that you had and and what your your kind of challenges were like that that example of the lot what what other yeah. kind of challenges did you face
1: yeah so i um i started my uh, my undergraduate degree um as a mid year intake so um, because of that, it meant I started in the, you know, second semester of things. So, you know, a lot of the, um, my other, um, I guess classmates had had the privilege of doing all the introductory subjects. So I came in cold and, um, mm-hmm. and of course in a foreign, um, country and I guess that, um, you know, they didn't really, I guess my lecturers didn't really appreciate um, that, you know, I may had missed like four introductory topics and therefore I, you know, I was totally blind and clueless to some things. Um, yes, that was a challenge in itself. I mean, you know, um, coming to a new country um, is a challenge, but I did move a lot. So that's something I've, um, I think I've been, I've been good at adapting and resettling pretty good um there were not many international students that started planning at all (laughs) even within the international um um communities and stuff, you know, like when we were talking and I'd tell people I'm doing environmental planning, you know, um, there wasn't much understanding in that. I think when you did say, oh, you're doing environmental planning, a lot of them thought, you know, it's probably the same as, um, you know, environmental science or, um, you know, a lot of people I think still have the concept of, you know, you're you're very greeny or you're, you're a tree hugger, not understanding mm. that actually it's probably more development than anything else. Mm. Um, and then I think what I found Really, I think challenging um, was because there wasn't that many international people or um, community within that space. um, Therefore, there wasn't much literature um, that we um, pulled upon and we studied, or there wasn't many case studies. It was all really, you know, Queensland focused, you know, which is fine in saying that. If um, and you know, I have actually stayed and worked here, but I think um, I would find it challenging if I just came. To do my undergraduate, or to just gain a, you know, um, an academic qualification here. But I was hoping to go somewhere else and apply it. Mm. Um. So, and then I think with that as well, you know, um, you know, when you go to uni, you have to do like everything has to be referenced or your, you know, your papers and everything. And um, when you want to write something that's sort of like your truth or your understanding or from your perspective, um. And if you couldn't find an actual reference or someone who had written about it, then it was sort of like not accepted, you know, cause you couldn't reference those thoughts. So
0: yeah.
1: that has always been a challenge for me. You know, I think it's like, um, even though it's my experience that, you know, if if it's not academically written, then it's not the truth <laughs> in some yeah. sense, in some spaces. Yeah. Interesting, super interesting.
0: Um, okay, so what about and, and I'm not sure what the statistics are in terms of the number of international students who are studying planning now, but I can only imagine that there's a, a greater mix and diversity of students, uh, yeah. you know, undertaking the degree currently. I would I would hope that's the case anyway. Yeah. And so I guess I'd be keen to understand any tips or advice you might have for those current international students and 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 all the academics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, my experience, and I do probably have to preface this, is it is from um, my experience at Griffith University. You know, I understand that, um, you know, the other big universities um, may probably have a few more um, and also at that time may have had um, more international students um, and also, you know, academics and lecturers um, teaching those subjects Um, in terms of, I guess, tips, um, I would sort of. um, like to say that um for the students themselves is um not to be scared uh, and not to be reserved um, in sharing and asking questions you know um i think just um because um you may not i guess have the same experience as what's being taught doesn't um, take away from your experience and I think when you, you know, when you feel comfortable and um, or you're just brave enough to um, share those experiences, it actually creates a lot of um, discussion. And I guess in terms of the um, academics themselves is um, um, just, I guess, sort of um, trying to relate a little bit more and trying to understand um, your audience a little bit more and um, and therefore, um, catering your delivery you know and your messaging and your language um, appropriately you know so don't fall onto the don't fall on the presumptions that um, you know you understand that other people understand all this like understand Australian culture or um, you know the Australian language itself you know and I think when I say Australian language people are like what what does that mean because we all speak mm-hmm. English but <laughs> um, but there's many concepts and these terms that we use in Australia and even actually the um the australian accent itself so for yeah. example like my <laughs> my mum um i'm so great i'm so blessed to um that she's able like she comes and visits me pretty frequently Um, But whenever she comes and she visits me, um, she struggles, you know, Um, she struggles understanding. And one of the persons she actually struggles to understand a lot is my father-in-law. So sometimes I kind of sit there between them and have to, you know, to translate (laughs) um, what he's saying, you know, so but um, they both well, speak english they're both speaking english <laughs> but yeah, okay. when you add the accent um just to our ears and we're not familiar to it mm. and this is something i think i've noticed in australia like um, uh, when you come to australia you um especially as an international student i'm not quite sure how it is now but in my experience back then to hold your visa you had to do um you're required to do an an English exam every two years, you know, to keep your visa. Um, And therefore, um, you know, it's sort of, you're you're sort of basically told you, you, like English is the language and English is what you have to speak. And, um, you know, we don't really want to hear, you know, like um, other languages um, as much, Mm. you know, like you need to sort of learn English. And therefore, I think we don't um, you know, in the in our environment as well, we don't really hear other languages, and because of that, I think um, it can become a struggle to hearing accents and other um, and other, I guess, forms of um, English. So, back taking it back to um, I guess the university experience and, and the tips for the academics, um, it's you know, it's sort of those communication sort of tips. You know, maybe like um, speak slow. Um, um, explain your concepts, explain things you're talking about. Um, yeah, just don't make that presumption um, mm. that everyone sort of understands. Um, and that really goes with the basic things, you know, like if you're going to say an allotment, you know, do, you know, be a bit of a thesaurus and say all the other <laughs> versions that you can think of them. Yeah. You know, say, you know, a lot, a plot, a block, whatever, you know. Um, and therefore that's more inclusive for, um, for everyone else in, um, I guess in, in your classroom
0: yeah yeah awesome tips hey I want to ask a, a big question the big question that I have for you today and and taking it back to culture and and yep. the role that culture has on the Queensland planning system mm. and I'm, I'm just curious to understand you know you've mentioned kind of language barriers but I, I guess there's also values and kind of the you know different cultural upbringings have different yep. kind of values and I'm interested yep. to understand Based on, you know, your deep understanding of Queensland planning system and then also your understanding of these other various cultures um, that you've grown up within, what are some of the shortfalls of how we currently plan, do you think?
1: Um, So, um, from my experience and from, like, you know, I guess working um, within, um, well, predominantly within the Queensland planning system at that state level, I think there's that... Um, presumption and that's and I think people fall on acquiring and um, adapting to what um, you know um, is written or what um, publications come out or academic um, literature um, and relying on those perspectives as being the perspectives of the cultures um, and the different people within your community Um, and I think that's a real shortfall because that's only sort of one version of it, you know, it's sort of becoming, um, um, you know, um, falling into that trap of having like, you know, a single story for what um, your community um, may experience and be like. So I think the key here is probably to get out there and consult, you know, Um, really Mm -hmm. understand that. I guess, you know, like, I don't know um, the uh, multicultural community in one in one area may have a total different um, experience um, because they come from, you know, that sort of um, environment. But then, you know, the immigrants from this community, um, you know, they've come from or, you know, their experience is a bit like this and therefore um, their lived experience is, um, you know, it's totally different from you know, the East community, for example. So I guess what I'm just trying to say there is um, the, um, the, um, the value in consulting, the value in actually going out and talking to people and listening to people Um, And understanding how people are using this space um, and understanding the needs of the people um, and actually um, engaging with people in their spaces, you know, so don't be like, oh, I want to do a community consultation to understand, you know, the cultures of these, you know, different multicultural people. So I'm going to call them all into a meeting, you know, Um, and in some spaces that can work. But generally, if you really want to understand, um, you, you sort of have to go out there and you know um, walk in the community, um, go have yeah. a coffee with people, um, let them invite you to their spaces, you know, um, mm. and not be scared to ask um, those um, you know the, the, those difficult questions. Like I think the I think the worst thing we can do is make presumptions and you yeah. know. Um, and you know I guess put that on people um like if we're gonna write stuff and if we're gonna as planners if we're gonna present and write stuff for the public I think we really need to understand the public you know mm-hmm. so even myself yes you know I come um from you know an African background but my story I'm really uh aware is different um from others so um you know I can't say I understand you know um say an immigrant who had to, you know, um who was displaced from their homeland and had to flee and, you know, came here and, you know, seeked asylum visa or something. I I don't understand that. You know i guess that story that's not my story so i would actually need um and seek you know understanding and co- engage in that conversation with that person to understand their experience so therefore as well don't make presumptions that even if you get you know or you should talk to one person within that culture that is the representation of that full culture um mm. everyone yeah like there's just it's all really complex yes there are some um, I think some core values and core factors that tie us in, um, but I, you know but those are also like i think what you know link humanity, human humans together and you know that's what um i guess forms our um you know our, our um, collective systems and stuff but mm. yeah i think I think just engaging engaging people in their spaces um to really understand um their culture and because the culture they come to um becomes an you know an um evolution of where they've come from and what they've um gained from here and you know we're we're all trying to recreate um I guess our spaces together. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah no it does. It's
0: fascinating. <laughs> it's really interesting hearing you say that that kind of everyone has their own story and taking the time to really listen to and find out about their individual yeah. stories can yeah really make you reflect and understand that community so much more deeply than what you might just do by you know doing an ABS search or you yes. know, <laughs> some of that kind of socioeconomic profiling that we 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 do as um you know in our desktop research um, for communities but those kind of conversations and going to people's um, homes and and into their their special places if if you're lucky enough to be invited yeah. into then will really help you understand that cultural difference, yeah. and also I guess it's about finding those opportunities for where they they can come together, right? So mm-hmm. you know, yes. in understanding people's different unique perspectives, is it then trying to look for how we can advance their interests, you know, in a in a I don't know a consistent and a a unified way with with others.
1: Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that's definitely um an element of it. Um, uh, um but I think as well like when we do engage, we sort of need to be pretty clear in the terms of like, are we inviting just for that um, you know, collection of information or are we or are we really trying to I guess to recreate I you know like these spaces or are we you know or the framework or something, you know, like how how open are we to um I guess, you know, the, the values, um, the participations of others as well. Um and then you know, and then, from there, yeah, making those um those connections, yeah,
0: amazing. I'm just mindful of time, and I, yes, I just so. wanted to ask you though, before we wrap up, what advice would you leave for our planning practitioners who are grappling with maybe who haven't thought about the role of culture in planning what Where would you sort of leave them or point them to in in terms of advice?
1: um i think I think what's key is to sort of foster um you know environments for curiosity um and for questions you know when you if i give enough am to take it back to like engaging um um is sort of understanding and one and a key element of understanding i think is like you know is asking those questions and i think if you're curious to understand their you know other people's i guess um perception or other people's thinking of something i think that's sort of a good way um to start that um um, i guess start your own understanding of how or what culture means to people um how that can be you know um um, integrated in our frameworks and stuff there's a lot of um good reading material out there you know um currently actually i'm reading what am I actually reading I think it's a podcast actually it's about um it's gonna get the right title it's (laughs) growing up African in Australia and it's by um Maxine um Benabar Clark um and it's just a volume of um, um of a collection of stories of you know people's lived experience um in you know in Australia um and and I and what I've actually really enjoyed about that that um um that book is that um you know it sort of explores the whole um dysphoria of like what you know of of the um of the african of the black people so you know i think when you're trying to sort of understand the culture say you know an african culture you sort of have to understand yes there's you know there's africans from africa There's africans african-americans there's you know um Africans from a range of like Caribbean islands Afro-Africans and this you know um and then um there's you know um yeah there's like you know mixed um mixed cultural um I guess platforms as well so um I think yeah if, if you're curious enough I think you will go out and either talk to people read different books ask different questions um and just try to understand you know different cultures and then yeah and then see how um that sort of makes you think differently about the systems and the places you live in but yeah like it's i think i find sometimes culture a bit of a of, of a hard concept to talk about um because it's really lived it's a lived conf- concept as yeah. well, yeah um, for some people, for me, essentially, you know it, it can be like you know um like a musical or arts culture and all that kind of stuff, mm. but I guess for me, when I talk about culture, it's really like my lived you know experience and stuff, and um yeah, and one way I guess to find out about that is um yeah to talk to me um, and to understand you know to understand why people behave a certain way, understand like say. You know, um, understand why um, some in some cultures people may prefer to be in out in open spaces, and therefore, what you know, what does our planning framework sort of do to um, ensure that um, you know people can comfortably do that without sort of being you know. Um, Presume that they're, you know, just loitering around or something like that, you know, and Mm. and changing that um, perception to the rest of the public and, you know, to understand well that's how people gather and that's actually, um, you know, um, a celebrated form of coming together, you know, um. So I think just you know being curious really and asking, and asking people questions and you know just don't 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 assume. Let's let's um let's talk. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it.
1: That's so No, not at all. I I
0: really appreciate you sharing today, Yupendo. It's just been yeah. so lovely getting to know you, uh finding out about your amazing history, uh where you've lived in your life. It's it's an incredible story. So, I really appreciate you giving up your time and and um and being so vulnerable and and sharing your life experiences. So, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks
0: for having me. Not a problem. And thank you for tuning into the Hustle & Bustle podcast this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a review so that others find out about the show. You can follow the show on Instagram and LinkedIn too. That's all from this episode. Thanks again for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye for now.